Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hey, Perpetual Traffic listeners, welcome to today's episode. This is part two of an interview that Ralph and Kasim did with two people from the product team at Meta. And if you haven't listened to the first part, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that where Sean and Ben confirmed that Kasim's hack is in fact a best practice. But on part two, they get into a little bit more on the specifics of how conversion API works, as well as some small tweaks that you can make to your campaigns that might go a really long way. So we're going to get into the second part of the interview in just a quick second. But if you haven't already, we want to invite you to fill out our perpetual traffic feedback survey. We're on a mission to be the number one marketing podcast in the world, but in order to do that, we need your help. So if you go to perpetualtraffic.com slash better, you can fill out a quick survey where you can let us know something that you like and also a few ways that we can improve. And the survey is completely anonymous, by the way. So you can get that at perpetualtraffic.com slash better. Thank you so much in advance for taking the time to do that. Stick around. We're going to get into part two with Sean and Ben from Meta right after this. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Hey, PT listeners, this is Hector Santi Esteban. And not many people know this, but I actually got my start in digital marketing doing chatbots. And I was fascinated by the type of experience you could create for your customers. I mean, the level of automation and personalization you can create 
without a ton of technical knowledge is kind of crazy. So if you're looking to increase and automate your lead flow, our friend Matt Lates from Bot Builders put together a free training that will show you how to get started. To watch it, go to botwebinar.com. That's B-O-T webinar.com. And you can sign up for this free training. Yeah, I never thought I'd love talking to meta guys as much as I do. I'm a Google guy. I'm, tra- I'm, I'm switching sides, Ralph. I want a t-shirt. How do we do Welcome. this? Welcome. <laughs> I would also point out, you know, maybe this is more, more for Ralph, but um, we do have a, what we call like a leads quality product, right? We, which is similar to what you've described where you've got leads. What we found is there was a high volume of leads. What a, what a lot of advertisers wanted were quality leads. Right. And sort of figuring out the event to send that describes the quality lead was difficult. With Conversions API, it's now more possible, and we've actually built a full product out of that, where you can now map those quality leads back to an event in, on you know, the meta side. Oh, cool. I mean, we're not talking about like page view, view content, add to cart, initiate checkout purchase here. Like if you're, if you're AEM, your top event is purchase, you're still going to end your second priority event is add to cart, or let's say it's initiate checkout and your third is add to cart. If you're an e-commerce store, like the predictive event in a lot of cases is how many add to carts am I getting? How many initiate checkouts am I getting? So that I can therefore alter you know, my marketing message, my targeting, obviously capture those audiences for retargeting if need be. We're not talking about that. We're talking about after the highest value event. I just want to make, because this, we're, we're getting deep here. And I just want to make sure the listeners understand, like there is a hierarchy in AEM and it's you as the business person, it's up to you. It's your responsibility to set that up. In our case, it's lead. Like that's very important. It's the most important thing. But then after that highest priority event, there could be a predictive event that could be used here. But we also see everybody who either initiates, well, not in this case, but I mean, probably page view would be secondary or maybe even view content because they go to the individual product page before they, you know, go into insert their name and email for a lead. Like just explain that kind of hierarchy to people because I think that's an important point to, to point out here. Yeah, so I'm going to throw a little bit of jargon out there, but we refer to this increasingly as a post-conversion event. So in other words, there's this main thing that you wanted people to do, and then once they do that, it's possible that they do a bunch of other things. Sean described right. you know, subscriptions and, and how people engage with their subscription. Leads is, is another form of this. And we find that, you know, this this leads into uh, engagement and retention discussions with, with clients, right? And now that they've got the person to do the thing they wanted, you know, how do they keep them engaged, keep them happy? It's It winds up being a very different mental model to how digital marketing has, has measured campaigns where there's an attribution window and there's this point in time where the thing happened and then you look whether the campaign was effective. Post-conversion means... I, I sort of described it as you would never pay your bill if you didn't sign up, right? So you actually, so people say, well, I want to know how many bill pays my campaign drove. And I say, well, it doesn't really work like that. The campaign did not drive the bill pay. The campaign drove the sign up, right? Or the subscribe event. The bill pay should kind of be attributed back to the sign up. So it's like this weird space where it, it 
the, the, the world of attribution windows and lookbacks and, and modeling kind of goes away and it's closer to just how your relationship with the customer has evolved and can you map that back to the thing that your campaign drove? That's a brilliant distinction. The, the campaign didn't drive the bills paid. The campaign drove the sign up. You almost want a visual that shows like I would draw a circle and a line connecting like the catalytic events because I, I'm sure I make that mistake, but I know my customers do, you know, to where they're like, oh, people didn't buy. I'm changing the subject line. And it's like, no, no, no. Go coach your sales team like you're doing the wrong. You know, we're fixing the wrong problem here. Right. I think that, that that's a really interesting way to look at that. Thank you for that, Ben. Yeah, so to kind of add on to that, I think there's another really important point here around that, that sort of timeline. And I highly recommend everyone draws out the customer lifecycle. It's a really good way of trying to visualize this. But there's there's a few win time windows that matter in our new products. So things like AEM, for example. AEM, Ralph, you mentioned this earlier, after three days. There's a reason it's three days. There's a magical 72-hour delay. Uh, number not completely chosen at random, but 72 hours before your data from AEM is up to date. So, yeah, firstly, that means that it's hard to see the outcomes immediately. You have to wait three days, which can be annoying, I know, um, but unfortunately it's there. And then I think a second component to that, which is really interesting, is you can actually have the same customer embark on another journey doing something different after three days and measure that as well. So, you know, what actually, I'm trying to think will, of a good example. I'm so sorry, Sean, I didn't follow that. Will you say that again? Yeah. Sure. So like let, let me let me explain this like with this. an example. So um, let's imagine you're a car dealer, and you want to drive leads. You want to drive people into your into your dealership to test drive cars. So lead is your most important event. So people are coming in and they're signing up for lead. They're giving some details, and you know maybe they've opted out, so they're going to be subject to AEM. So you prioritize lead, top top and foremost. Your campaigns are driving that. Great, everything's good. But those same people who were leads may subsequently convert. They may go and buy a car. And if you want to measure that as well, you potentially can because the block of time in which they were a lead has expired and now they're going into a block of time which is actually a purchase. Mm. Um, so, you know, the even though we don't know who the person is with AEM, we still have an AEM ID. You know, so we don't know it's Ralph, but we know, you know, if Ralph does lead and Ralph later does purchase, we know it was the same identity, the same individual even though we don't know any of the specifics about the individual themselves. So this actually you know the gives you the point, you know, Ralph on f hit Facebook clicked on this ad. Now we don't know much of anything that happened afterwards, but then you also know because of conversion API, we gave you, Ralph gave us money and yep. it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be like, okay, well, we're probably responsible for most of that. Those are the same guys. Correct. Right. And you know, we can, we can tie that together. So we can tie it together, but within the constraints of AAM, AM is in these three day chunks. So, you know, if it takes Ralph longer than, you know, 72 hours to go from signing up for a test drive to taking a test drive to actually purchasing, you know, I, I hope Ralph is a conscientious human being who thinks hard before just buying a new car on a whim. Uh, then, Less you know, than 72 hours. I'm so surprised. <laughs> very, very decisive. <laughs> then, you know, it may, it may be you can actually measure both. So, um, you know, there's, there's some things you can do within the model of AEM to actually let you measure more stuff. It isn't just about only getting the highest priority. It's about what does that timeline and customer journey look like? So even if your AEM hierarchy is lead, let's just say, you know, initiate uh, lead, view content, whatever, all the way down, and you have purchased somewhere in your hierarchy, 
if that purchase happens outside of the three-day window of the highest priority event, which was lead, AEM can track that. AEM could pick it up. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's still value in putting some of those other events in, even if they happen less often. I never thought of that. See, this is the reason why you guys, you know, are the solution engineer and the solution architect for Meta because of insights like that. Uh, that's tremendous. Now, if you have purchase the purchase event in your eight events, it's all kind of your you need, right? As long as it's in if there, if you're somewhere. an ecom or something something along those lines, yeah. If you if you're using purchase to mean money's changed hands, I, I've gained my business value out of this, then yeah, as long as it's in the list, it's good, right? You know, if you, for most businesses, it is generally the highest priority because it's the most important and lowest funnel thing. But that's as you say, not true in all cases. So, you know, it's, it's still worth having it, even, now, if, even if it's not your highest priority. In me buying the car within outside of 72 hours, hopefully, in that case, we're actually talking about, and this is going way in the weeds, we're actually talking about an offline conversion. Yep. It, it doesn't matter so you, whether it's online or offline is what I'm assuming here. So with AEM currently, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, it currently only measures web events. Um, mm. there's a whole separate work stream we have at the moment to try and simplify offline and app and web into a much simpler working model for everyone, because it's what's confusing for us when we work here. So we're trying to make it easier. Um, so stay tuned for that. It will end up at that point at some point in the future where hopefully there is just Cappy, but yeah, for, for now you'd still send an offline conversions event separately and we can still tie those things together but not not in quite the same way. And naturally, offline conversions is not subject to AEM at all today. Hmm. Thanks for ma- making me feel, uh, you know, like that was an intelligent question. I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. But let, let's say hypothetically, like, I don't know, you're, you're buying from Tesla or one of these fancy car makers where everything happens right. online anyway. Those so, guys. you know, in that yeah. circumstance, yeah, you could, you could send your purchase event as a web event and it'll all flow through. As totally makes described. sense. Yeah. Yeah, the, the local Yugo dealership near me. When I buy my Yugo, that's, yeah, they probably don't have that, all that tech. So we're we're taking up a, uh, a lot of time talking about Kasim, which is great. Now that he's got validation, I'm very excited for him. I was only feigning, you know, just ripping you apart. But anyway, we can talk about that offline. Give me, give me a, 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 like a, a just a, a pitch for Cappy Gateway. We've talked about Cappy just in general. I know it's it's obviously made your guys' jobs probably a lot easier. Explain a little bit more about what it is. You get all the benefits of Cappy without all the pain. Like, how would you kind of pitch it to somebody who's considering adding this on? Yeah. So, Conversions API Gateway is an interesting one. It's kind of this, like, you know, what we call like a partner integration, right? But it's one that Meta built. Right. And it's also kind of can be deployed and owned by an advertiser. Right. So it's as if the advertiser created a conversions API integration, but Meta did all the coding and we made it sort of dead simple to just kind of do a few clicks and deploy to, you know, public cloud platform and you have an integration. So the ease of setup is, you know, primary selling point, you know, I've seen these integrations take half an hour, right? And that's kind of incredible to be able to do that in a live 
with an advertiser in 30 minutes and they're like, that's it. It's done. We've been talking about this for two years and it just happened. And we say, yeah, that was it. I would say another major selling point is that it allows you to cover all of the events that your pixel was already covering from the start, right? You, you get, you know, wide coverage with redundancy from the start. You don't necessarily have to uh, worry about like, oh, is, is this event going to have enough data? It's just sort of covered. I'll stop there. Does that sell it in so far? Kasim, I'm going to defer to you on that. So, well, I'm going to maybe back up a little bit and offer up something of a hurdle because uh, I, I, I love the ease of use and this isn't meant to be too much of an objection. So hopefully nobody throws anything at me. My fear is it sits server side, right? It lives kind of behind the scenes all the way. And the way that I understand it is more, I know Ben's like, ah, here's a non-tech guy trying to explain the way it works. But it, the way, uh, when I read the documentation and as much as I understand things like that, it, it felt like it sort of lived foundationally. Um, and I don't get the data. So I know it's technically like first party data, but my understanding from the documentation is I actually don't get to see it. Like it doesn't go into my CRM. I'm not able to capture dependent to contact records, use it later. Instead it goes... It's like this, you know, I love Sean, your, your pipe analogy. Brilliant. This is a pipe that, you know, normally the pipe is like from me to meta. This is a pipe that's actually from meta to meta and it just travels through my house, but I never actually get the information that is traveling through it. Is that, is that, how did I do? You're kind of there. I'm going to extend <laughs> it. I'm, I'm going to extend the pipe analogy to try to cover the Kappa gateway. This is the first time I've done this. So bear with me. Um, so as Ben mentioned, the Cappy Gateway is a tool built by Better. So I think like the best way to think about Cappy Gateway is something that sits before that pipe. So on your side, you own it, it's before the pipe, but it's like the flat pack reservoir. So um, yeah, we we built an IKEA kit, flat pack reservoir, and we shipped it to you and you've built it your side. So it is a server. It's a server where the data is going into. So you've got a data pool, your side, which is Cappy Gateway. And it's consuming, at least by default, the, the data that you've got from your linked website pixel. So you've got an existing pixel, it's sending data into this reservoir, all is good. You haven't had to really do very much other than put together the, the reservoir following our nice and easy to follow flat pack instructions, i.e. clicking a few buttons and following a few steps, which we won't get into. But that, that's how it works today. The visibility into that reservoir, you're right, is a little bit limited right now. We're adding more to it over time. Cappy Gateway is a relatively new product. It came out in September last year, late September. So we're improving what it gives you from the get-go. So what you can do oh, with it today cool. is you can filter events right now is the only thing you can really do with it. So, you know, the, there's a UI, there's a web interface that comes with Cappy Gateway when you deploy it. So you can go to this website, log in with your credentials, which you set up as part of installing it. And you can say, okay, I want to send new content and add to cart matter but i don't want to send purchase i just don't think they need that information right now whatever whatever you choose and you've got some controls over what's flowing out of that reservoir and through the rest of the pipe through Cappy to to us so where we're trying to get to with this product and this is sort of a longer term vision is adding all of that kind of functionality full levers for all controls crm all of these other pieces that you might want to integrate into 
yeah, ba basically this, this data in data processing data out strategy that I talked about earlier, we see Cappy Gateway as the foundational tool to start to give businesses that flexibility. So we're trying to offer this as the first step on that journey towards simple data strategy. Um, you know, like the, this is a, a lofty goal and I have no idea if we're going to succeed, but that's where we're trying to go with it. And one thing I'd add to that too is, yes, you can have your CRM in what we'd call a direct integration to Meta, right? You just send it to the Meta API endpoint directly. With Cappy Gateway, it doesn't preclude two integrations running at the same time. You could do what Sean recommended and you know filter out certain events and have those only be sent by the CRM. Or you could have you know this cover website activities and conversions API cover post-conversion activities. So you can have two Cappy integrations going at once. I didn't interrupt you, Ben. I'm sorry. Oh, you, you ask your question, then I'll add a... Uh, well, Sean mentioned that, that the, the um, gateway is going to get a little bit more robust over time. And if, if we have visibility into that data, it would preclude us from having to do what Ben's talking about, which is the, the redundant work. Would the data visibility be retroactive? Could we look back? Or is it when we open up features, then data becomes visible and available? I know you might not know the answer to that, but like historically speaking, what tends to be kind of the rule of thumb? Yeah, I think where we can, we're going we're gonna to be doing updatability of Cappy Gateway in a way that allows you to just get these new features and still have retroactive visibility. But like another feature that we didn't mention about Cappy Gateway is it's auto-updatable. So this is, you know, once you deploy it once, it's opt-in. You have to turn it on. We want to put the businesses firmly in control of everything they're doing. So, you know, it's like you have to turn the setting on if you want it, but you can turn on the setting to auto-upgrade and we will just ship you features and ship you new updates as they become available. Yeah, and I, I think that's an important distinction too with uh, Conversions API Gateway is this is advertiser-owned infrastructure. You still have your CRM and you now have this new server in the cloud that Meta is pushing updates to. So I know y'all aren't going to be allowed to comment on this, I imagine, but this is actually like a brilliant way because I, you know, it is advertiser-owned infrastructure, obviously, but like, what a brilliant way to get around some of the the um, handcuffs that have been put on just everybody. Uh, and what would you say, like, arm companies with the ability to build infrastructure that they wouldn't be able to build themselves otherwise? Hey, it's Kasim here, and I have a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your website? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully target your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. That means you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and then safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. I've personally met the CEO, Adam Robinson, and the guy is absolutely brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for PT listeners. If you are an e-commerce brand that's doing over a million in annual revenue, and you've gone through their easy 30-minute onboarding process, if you don't 5X your investment within the first six months, they will give you all of your money back. To take advantage of this offer, go to getemails.com forward slash scalable. That's getemails.com forward slash scalable. Uh, 
Hey, PT listeners, when's the last time your business published on its blog? If the answer is, that's way too long for me to remember, I want you to listen up because our friends at BKA Content have a news service where they'll deliver fresh blogs to your inbox and all you have to do is just post them on your site. Now, these articles are all originally written just for your business. They're not generic articles that are just copy and pasted or thrown into some AI software or written by a VA. No, these are professional writers who are going to sit down and write articles just for your business. We've used them in the past, and they're absolutely fabulous. Now, if you want an extra reason to go try them yourself, BK is giving PT listeners half off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual to get started. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. You know, I mean, you'd have to have, I don't know what type of IT team in order to, to create this thing. So, you know, to, to, to build it on four people and then give them the ability to deploy it and do so easily um, that's a masterstroke, man. I think that's 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 pretty sharp. I, I don't know many organizations that have gone that far in helping to buttress their customers' technical infrastructure in order to assist them in using uh, their tool set. I think that that's you know shows quite a bit in the way of commitment. Yeah, I probably can't comment too much on how that plays as the ecosystem, but you know, I think this is like this is one of the things I will call out is we recognize how hard Cappy has been for advertisers. And one of the reasons we've been building Cappy Gateway is precisely this. Cappy is hard. It's an API integration. Many of our advertisers struggle with the JavaScript pixel. So we're really aiming for that level of simplicity or simpler in terms of integrating because we know that you know, you're trying to run the business. You don't really have time to do all this digital wizardry on top of that and have to you know, have some kind of degree in computer science in the process. So we're trying to simplify as much as we can and really make that process smooth. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things with this change in the ecosystem is, ironically enough, probably if none of these changes had come, we wouldn't have put so much effort into it because the pixel would have still worked. So, mm. you know, mm. in some ways, the silver lining to all of this is we're actually affecting change on the ecosystem level because of the ecosystem changing. Yeah, it could all end up being better than it was. That's interesting too. Did you know companies that blog consistently receive 67% more leads than those that don't? Now, that feels obvious, right, when you hear it, but it's still a really surprising statistic. Consistent blogging is so important to growing a business, but who has the time to research keywords, come up with topics, write content? It's a nightmare. BKA Content, a content writing agency with 10 years of experience, offers monthly SEO blog writing service where they'll do it all for you. All of your monthly blog posts delivered directly to your inbox 100% ready to publish. Go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. If you're not A-B testing on your site and doing optimization experiments, you're leaving serious money on the table. Not only can it keep your business from growing, it gives your competition an edge over you. Luckily, our friends at Conversion Fanatics have run thousands of conversion rate optimization experiments every year for clients like Clorox, Burt's Bees, Dr. Axe, Magnolia, ClickFunnels, and many more. They optimize your site for you so you can get more customers, scale your traffic faster, and see more profit to your bottom line. If you're interested in how you can optimize your website, you can get their number one Amazon bestseller for free by going to conversionfanatics.com forward slash free book. That's conversionfanatics.com forward slash F-R-E-E 
B-O-O-K. Go download it today so you can learn how to double your customers, sales, and profits with A-B testing. One last question. You guys might not know the the answer to this because it's a little bit more speculative, but it really does seem like we're in a tech titan advertising um, arms race here to, to a certain degree. Like it's the cabbie gateway is an answer to ATT prompt compliance to a certain degree. Is there going to be a checkmate or another Apple solution from your guy's perspective? If he can't comment on it completely fine. It just sort of seems to me like it's these two Silicon Valley Titans just duking it out and trying to figure out the best way to do it. Well, ultimately, you know, in our case, serving the advertiser and the small business and the businesses that, that run advertising on the platform. What is your sense at this point? Because I, I have a feeling we've, <laughs> this is the end of this whole question of how we work alongside the ATT prompt and the iOS 14 and everything that comes after it. What's your sense? Yeah, I, I say we're at the end of the beginning. You know, we're really, really just starting. So you're right. At the moment, there's a little bit of an arms race. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot at stake here. You know, like if the, like really what we're looking at, we're talking about privacy utility trade-off. You know, user privacy is absolutely important. And some companies are selling that as a feature. And, you know, what, what I would say here is like there's every company has a set of guiding principles that they're following. Um, AdTech in general has operated on the, on the side of utility. It's like, we can get a ton of value out of this stuff. So let's try and do that. And alongside that, you have, you know, maybe a very privacy conscious company like Apple or Mozilla, who is looking very much at how do we protect users first and foremost. Uh, I've used this before in public. I'm going to use it here again. The most private thing we can do is switch off the internet. That is by far the safest thing for user privacy, but I think everyone can agree. It's not particularly useful. So it's about how do we strike that balance? I think every company is going to end up evolving their own perspective of where do they feel comfortable on that privacy utility trade-off. So on the meta side, we really believe that it's possible to have good ads and good privacy. It's not something the ad tech industry has done before because we frankly haven't had to. And why would you do more work than you needed to? It doesn't make any business sense to do that. So now the question is, how do we evolve our story? How do we evolve how we do ad tech and how do we evolve our position so that we can actually get the best of both? We can still get utility. We can, we can get privacy on top of that. So that's really where we're headed. And, you know, so the, some of the work on Cappy and Cappy Gateway, it's not really designed as a direct answer to ATT or iOS 14 or PCM or any of these other things that are happening. As a side effect, it happens to be able to allow businesses to cope with some of those changes. But the bigger picture of where we're going is this landscape is going to continue to evolve. Things will continue to change. You know, if it's, if it's not a big tech player, it will be a legal policymaker somewhere in the world. We'll define e-privacy directive 3.0 or something, and we'll end up in, a, in another world of pain trying to deal with those changes. So what we're trying to do with these new tools is get ahead of that and try to build from the start, flexible frameworks to allow businesses to have control and make the right decisions for them. You know, some of that will tie in with big tech and what they're allowed to do from a platform policy perspective. 
Some of it will tie in with whatever legislation they're subject to, wherever they operate. Some of it will tie to you know, your own personal principles and beliefs as a business. What do you think you should do with your data? So, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation around that. And I think the whole industry is going to have an awakening. I think we're going through that awakening right now to sort of really understand that user data is really important and how we deal with users' data is something that we just have to have it as a hygiene element almost in everything that we do. We can't avoid the topic anymore. We have to actually tackle it head on. It, well, I mean, if we do shut down the internet, as long as the metaverse still is, you guys will be in good shape, I'm sure. Unless, Should it, be actually, okay. unless it runs <laughs> on the internet. Okay. I'm pretty sure it does run on the internet. You know, taking a step back from this, and I know you guys probably won't like to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway. This privacy thing, like, who cares, really? I don't care. I love the fact that Google has 70 million data points on me. It makes my life easy. It helps me with ways. It knows, predicts what I'm going to search for. It helps me with email. I don't care that, that, that Facebook has 55,000, 70,000 data points on me. Shows me relevant ads. Like, I don't, am I the only one I say, whenever that ATT prompt comes on, it's not because I run an agency. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I want them to track me. Why not? I got nothing to, to hide because privacy equals convenience for me. And that makes my life easier and better. And it helps me discover things that I haven't discovered before. And it's the reason why we as an agency shifted from, you know, black hat SEO 10, 12 years ago to Facebook because <laughs> the targeting was so damn good. We got such great results. We didn't even have to write good ads. We just had to have great targeting because Facebook knew so much about its users, which is not a diabolical thing. And I know you guys won't, you know, maybe have your own opinion on this, but I just think we get so caught up. Even we talk about it here about privacy. It's not like you guys are meta is like stealing my social security number or any like that sort of stuff. It's like, it's just data. It's I, you know, I work at tier 11, I'm married to Jennifer Sorrenti. I listen to Metallica and I, you know, work out with heavyweights. Like who cares? It's not really that big of a deal. Heavy I, metal and heavyweights. Heavy metal, you know heavyweights. That's it. And where, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, by the way, I'm wearing my Mark Zuckerberg tier 11 uh, hoodie here today, just so you guys know. But I think taking a step back, I think we've all, as humans, overreacted to this thing. I get it that, that it needs to be in the forefront of it because it's a public policy concern. But I think, you know, those of you listening, like you're listening to the show probably because you typed in a certain keyword into iTunes or you're on somebody's list that they knew who you were because they have your name and email. And now you're listening to the show and you're probably saying either Burns is full of it or Cosm is genius or more importantly, Ben and Sean are geniuses because of tech and because of the data that they have on you. So that's my little rant here, but I respect exactly what you guys are doing. I get it. And the world probably thinks a little bit differently than I do care to comment i don't or think is the world this... is worried about privacy i think it's i'm sorry it's not my place sean and ben the floor yeah. is yours the floor is yours oh you know i think like this is really hard to explain right you know like take take what meta does with advertising and why targeting is good you know we're taking lots and lots of data points we're matching that back to people that we know about we're throwing that into machine learning models built by people much smarter than i am and those machine learning models are making good predictions and good outcomes, and that's driving results, and it's driving outcomes for businesses and better ads for people. You know, if you remember the like the '90s and banner ads, they were horrible. 
Terrible. Um, yeah, we're in a much better world today from that perspective. But I think the the kind of key detail here is like some people want that choice. Some people want that control. People like you, Ralph, we love people like you because you'll just say yes. Thank you. I love you. And you know, you you actually want that value. But you know, I think it's it's totally reasonable and legitimate for someone to say, actually, I don't want that. And I think this is where the industry as a whole has failed to explain ourselves to date. It's like, you know, there is no way to say, track me and show me what I get, or don't track me and show me what I get. There's no way to compare those two experiences. So for people who actually want to make the choice, there's no way for them to actually distinguish and make the trade-off. And mm. yeah, I think that's, that's where this explosion has kind of come from is the lack of choice. You know, the, the funny example I always use, which is, is really interesting that this is a debate playing out in digital ad tech, because I think it should be playing out in the real world. I live in London in the UK, which is the most densely populated CCTV city in the world. You know, like my, mm. my face and where it's my everywhere. whereabouts are recorded hundreds of times a day so true. by the UK government for the purposes of national security. I have no say in that. I have no control over it. I have no ability to have my data deleted. And, you know, we're okay with that. But I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, people's trust and faith in the system. You know, like there's not a big debate about it because people trust that the government's doing the right thing with the data. And I think that's where the bigger failing here is, is the trust element. What, what Meta is having issues with today, and to some extent Google and other ad tech players is they're not trusted to be doing the right thing. And mm. I think that trust element is really the thing that we need to work on. Well said. I still don't know where and why. People just look for the the straw man. They look for somebody to pull down. And it's unfortunate. And this is going to come across as me being a meta shill. And maybe I am. Is that Zuckerberg created this platform. It's his, like, it was never really anything until he did it and created it. And then it became all these other things. Like, it, they have a right to my data because I get to see my friends and understand what my you know, my niece in Portugal is doing and it's because of they created the platform and I'm okay with that being shared. I guess I'm not the popular opinion at this point, but if it, it, it you know, people sort of forget that like they're on somebody else's land, but now it's public policy and now it's bigger than it ever. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg ever expected this thing to be as big as it is. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but I don't think he did. You know, I think he just wanted to get a girlfriend like the first last time I heard, like, that's why he started the Facebook or, you know what I mean? So I, I, I just think it's it's morphed into this thing that's larger than life when people sort of forget at the end of the day, it's not harmful. And is so the CCTV example is a great one. Try doing that in China. Like we have, we have a guy who works, you know, he actually defected from China is now in the US. He's like, are you kidding me? Track like my every move. CCTV is even like tenfold what it is probably in London. Point is, is even there, there is that, all right, is the, the gatherer of that data doing the right thing or not doing the right thing? And somewhere along the lines, Meta kind of lost that trust. And it's unfortunate because I think it's because it was so big. It still is so big. People wanted to bring it down in some way. People love to bring stuff down or raise people up depending on where they're at. If they're too successful, bring them back down. You know, love a turnaround story. It's human nature. Um, but I think people just have to make their own decisions as to what's right or what's wrong. I know what my decision is. And my decision is it was a great decision to get you guys on the show here today. Kasim is especially excited 
And now that he's called a best practice, we're going to be living on that one, I think, for the next year or so. Which, I already have my tattoo planned. Good, good for you. Yeah. That's right. Right on the face. Face tattoo. I know we've taken a lot of your guys' time here today, even with or without meta and privacy rants, notwithstanding at the end, you've delivered a tremendous amount of value. I think everybody who's listens to Perpetual Traffic is really appreciative of you coming on here. Is there a way where people can find you? Do you guys give out public profiles? Like, or is the, what's the best way to kind of learn more about what you all do? So I think the places to check out at the moment, there's the existing public resources on things like Convergence API and Convergence API Gateway, all the things we talked about today, they're there. If you want to learn more about what's happening in the privacy space, we recently launched the privacy technologies website, privacytech.fb.com. That explains some of the work we're doing in that space and what we see the sort of the future evolution of ad tech to look like. In terms of like personal profiles, you'll find Ben and I by name, probably on LinkedIn. Please don't send us all your ad tech questions. We can't possibly respond to all of them. But <laughs> you'll, you'll find us around for sure if you look. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For all the resources that we mentioned, you can go to perpetualtraffic.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at perpetualtraff. And if you have some feedback on things that you like or some ways that we can improve, go to perpetualtraffic.com better where you can fill out a quick anonymous survey. Thanks again for being part of the PT fam. We'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hey, PT listeners. I've been running my own business since I was 17, and I found that nothing slows down entrepreneurs more than this one pesky question, and that's what do I do next? And left unanswered, you find yourself stuck far below your potential, jumping from one shiny object to the next, perpetually wondering why other businesses are growing and yours is stuck. So that's why Scalable has put together the seven levels of scale framework. We'll give you the shortest path possible to go from a struggling startup to a high profit, high impact, exitable business that'll give you the wealth and freedom you deserve. So stop wondering what to do next and take our free three minute assessment today at getscalable.com go. That's getscalable.com go. And you can download a free guide to show you what level of scale you're currently at and how you can scale quickly and profitably to the next.